Thanks for checking out this message from Coastal Community Church. We hope it's helpful and encouraging. Hey, good morning, by the way, online uh, community. My guess is we have a lot more folks uh, watching us online today uh, with this nasty, nasty weather out there. So, um, but thanks for tuning in. So late last week, I got uh, some congestion and then I got a sore throat and I thought everything was fine. Then I had like a three and a half hour uh, membership class yesterday. And by the end of it, my voice was just about gone. So pray for me. I believe that God uh, has a message that he wants you to hear today. And uh, he's got you here for a reason and me as well. So let's just jump right in. Um, years ago, I ran across a statistic that attempted to measure the amount of information that mankind has accumulated from the year 1850 to the year right around uh, 2000, okay, about 150 years, as compared with all of the information prior to that, okay? In other words, like the history of the world. So using those 150 years as kind of the standard of comparison, the statistic revealed that the amount of information accumulated up until 1850 would have represented a line about three inches tall. So everybody get your, your thumb and your finger and do that. That's all the information accumulated, all the knowledge accumulated by mankind up until about the year 1850. Um, yeah, and then by comparison, the amount of information that mankind has gained from 1850 to the year 2000 would have been represented by a line. You ready for this? Okay, remember that little line. By a line 555 feet tall. 555 feet. That's like the, uh, the height of the Washington Monument. Ricky, how tall is the ceiling right here? 33 feet, okay? <laughs> Just for some comparison, Okay. In other words, in our contemporary world, we have more information available to us than at any other time in the history of the world. In fact, than all the other ages of history combined. However, here's the point. Merely having access to the information, merely being exposed to all this information does not mean that you'll personally benefit from it. You know, information never does not equal transformation. Information does not equal transformation. I mean, think about it. You could go and sit in a library all, all day long and still be uneducated. Simply being around all the information is not a guarantee that you will apply it to your life, that you'll receive it or acquire it for yourself. Now, I think that's a pretty good picture of the history of Israel. Remember back in chapter 9, Paul pointed out that Israel was a blessed, blessed nation. Uh, they'd been adopted by God. They received privilege of his presence, his word, uh, the great patriarchs, all the promises. And it was also through them that God would bring, introduce the Savior of the world. So they're a blessed, blessed people. But as we've seen in our study of Romans, even though they had so much access to information and so much blessing and privilege, they, they failed to apply it. They failed to embrace it. 
In fact, you know, if you read through the Old Testament, some of the more common descriptions of the people of Israel was that they were uh, deaf, blind, hard-hearted, and unresponsive. They rejected the things of God. And of course, that, that hard-hearted blindness kind of reached its pinnacle in their rejection of Jesus. And it's what Jesus was talking about when he looked out over them when he was hanging from the cross and he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. They were blind, unbelieving. You know, they didn't accept that this was the Messiah that they were murdering. In fact, just prior to the crucifixion in Matthew 23, Jesus wept over Jerusalem. And he basically said, how often I have wanted you, I've wanted to gather you to me but you were unwilling. Now that's a, an important distinction there because it tells us that Israel's unbelief was self-imposed. Over and over, Jesus wanted to gather them. He wanted to bless them. He wanted to save them, but they were unwilling. Now that is the theme of chapter 10, uh, Israel's unbelief that they missed the Savior, that they had missed the Messiah. But it wasn't because, again, that they didn't have the information. It wasn't that they didn't have access to the truth. It's that they rejected it. You know, they refused to accept it. And so here in chapter 10, Paul gives us four reasons why. Now, if you were here last week, we looked at the first two. Today, we're gonna finish up by looking at the last two. The first two were, they were ignorant, remember, of God's righteousness. Uh, they tried to bring God down to their level, push themselves up to God's level. And number two, they were ignorant of the role of faith, of faith. Well, today, let's talk about the next two, okay? If you're taking notes, give me a chance to swallow some water. Um, they were ignorant of the range of salvation. Write that down. The range of salvation. You see, one of the reasons why the Jews had a hard time with the gospel is that they couldn't accept that the gospel was also being given to the Gentiles. In other words, they didn't understand the extent of how far the gospel was intended to reach. In fact, look at verses 10 through 13. As the scriptures say, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and, rich, and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Circle that word there, everyone. Highlight it, star it. So the range of salvation, okay? The extent into which it was to reach is this. It's open to everyone, anyone who trusts in Christ. Man, isn't that great news? It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, your background. You know, it's open to anyone. Uh, Titus 2.11 puts it this way. For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to who? What's it say? Oh, come on, I can barely speak. You can speak up. All people, very good. John 1.12, get ready. 
but to who? What does it say? All. All who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become the children of God. Again, the, the range is everyone. Anyone who's willing to trust in Christ and receive by faith, Jew, Gentile, black, white, rich, poor, male, female, Democrat, Republican, Carolina, Clemson, you know. Yeah, even those sinners. Anyway, um, I'll let you decide. Um, and that's why Jesus said, hey, go. Go into the whole world. Make disciples of all people everywhere. That's why in speaking to the disciples in Acts 1.8, he said, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and where? To the ends of the earth. Now, what makes you and I go, woo, amen, hallelujah, made the people of Israel say, no. You know, no way, we can't, we can't accept that. Um, kind of a classic illustration of that is found in the book of Jonah. If you haven't read Jonah in a while, it'd be a great uh, quick read for you. So God calls the prophet Jonah to go and preach repentance to the people of Nineveh. Nineveh was the capital city of Assyria. They were a Gentile, pagan people, enemies of Israel to the east. It was a, a city full of violence, immorality, idolatry. Um, you know the story. Jonah doesn't want to go. So he ends up running away from God, okay? And he ends up being swallowed by a great fish, He's in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights until God commands the fish to vomit him up onto the land. Now, that got his attention, right? And he decides to go to Nineveh and preach. Read about it in Jonah chapter three. Now, guess what? You ready for this? The whole city repented. I mean, it was like this great revival, in this, this immoral city, I mean, man, they're, they're, they're having worship. It's awesome. And so you would naturally think that, uh, you know, wow, Jonah must have been on cloud nine. He must have been blown away, you know. Not at all. Jonah 4.1 says this. But Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry angry. Why? He just couldn't stand the thought of a bunch of Gentiles, you know, experiencing this personal relationship with God. Listen, I don't know if you're aware of this, but in biblical times, when a Jewish person would walk through, uh, travel through Gentile country, Gentile land, most of the time they try to avoid it, but when they had to, the very first thing they would do when they got into Israel is that they would shake the dust uh, off of their robes and their sandals. They would not go into a Gentile home, drink out of a Gentile cup, eat off a Gentile plate, because they thought it was defiled. I mean, that just gives you a little bit of the attitude they had toward Gentiles. So when Paul comes around and says, the gospel message of salvation extends to all people everywhere, including Gentiles, they're furious. They, they didn't understand the range of salvation. Now, before you all cast judgment on the Jewish people, 
Let me ask you a personal question. How far does your range of salvation extend? How far does your range of salvation extend? You see, I think it's easy for the most part to reach out to uh, friends, family, neighbors, coworkers, where we live, work, parent, and play, like we say here at Coastal, when you like them. <laughs> you know, when they're similar to you. But does your range of salvation extend to those who don't look like you, who vote differently than you do, who have a different lifestyle than you do? What did Paul say? Who's the gospel open to? Who? Everyone. Anyone who would call on the name of the Lord. Now, in light of that, look what Paul says in verses 14 and 15. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless somebody tells them? And how can anyone tell them and uh, go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. Now, he's just made the point, right, in verse 13, that salvation comes uh, by calling on the name of the Lord. And then he says, but how can somebody call on him if they've never heard? And how are they going to hear unless somebody tells them? And how is anybody going to tell them unless people are sent out, you know, to do that? And guess what? Here's his point. We all have a part in that. All of us. We all play a part in the process of people coming to Christ, taking next steps. Now, if you've heard me preach for any length of time, you know we believe that salvation is a gift from God. We've seen that over again in Romans. He created it. He initiated it. He calls us into salvation. But, man, this blows me away. Somehow, someway in the sovereign plan of God, he's chosen to use imperfect people like you and me in that process. I mean, somehow he has ordained that men and women come to know Jesus through you. You know, you read through the book of Acts, history of the early church. There is not one, one conversion where God did not use a human instrument, real people like you and me. Man, that's why here at Coastal we have such an urgency. You know, that's why we pray. That's why we love. That's why we share. That's why we, we give. That's why we challenge you constantly to invite and to bring. Because all of it, all of it plays a part. You play a part. You are a link in the chain of somebody coming to know Jesus. I love, um, I love verse 15. How beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. Gonna take a little water break, but turn to your neighbor and say, man, your feet are beautiful. Look at your feet. Your feet are beautiful. Go ahead and do that. There you go. Some of you are lying, because I've seen your feet, and they're not pretty. Um, he's actually quoting Isaiah 52, 7, and it's referring to the good news coming to Jerusalem from Babylon that the captivity is over. You know, that deliverance has come. Now, why in the world is Paul quoting that verse here in Romans since it refers to the liberation of Israel from captivity? Well, 
Listen to what he says right after that. Isaiah 52, 9 and 10. Burst into songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord will lay bare his holy arm in sight of all of the nations. And all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. Wow. So the context of that verse is actually the historical event of Israel's release from Babylonian captivity. But Isaiah goes on to say that it's also a symbol of this future glorious day when true redemption and and true salvation is going to come to who? All people. All nations. Man, isn't that great? Now, in spite of the prophets and the patriarchs, you know, sharing it and and this, this wide call, this extensive invitation to all people, Look at verse 16. But not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Paul is saying again, in salvation, there's a choice in your part. Okay, you're not a puppet. You're not a robot. You know, you have a choice to make. And so did Israel. And Paul is saying that In salvation, you know, the good news of the gospel, it's got to be accepted. Another translation says welcomed. So according to Paul, the reason they missed out on salvation through Christ is because they refused to accept it. And then he quotes Isaiah 53, 1, Lord who has believed our message. Do you remember um, what Isaiah was saying what he was talking about there in, in chapter three. It's, it's one of the more uh, well-known um, chapters in the Old Testament. It's a vivid prophecy about the crucifixion of Jesus. And amazingly, Isaiah begins the prophecy by anticipating unbelief. Lord, who's believed our message? In fact, John quotes that same passage in his gospel, John 12. Look at this. But despite all the miraculous signs Jesus had done, most of the people still did not believe in him. This is exactly what Isaiah the prophet had predicted. Lord, who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? Now, why didn't they believe? They didn't have ears to hear. You know, many times throughout the New Testament, Jesus would say, he who has ears to hear... Let him hear. Now, what does that mean? I mean, everybody's got ears, right? Well, ask a wife if that's not true. You know, wives, is it, is it possible that somebody in your, your home can have ears and not hear? Crazy, right? Now, verses 17 and 18. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word about Christ. Now stop there for a second. You see, the the hearing that Paul's talking about here is the hearing of the heart. True hearing is revealed in our response to the message, when you respond in faith. And so the people of Israel had a hearing problem. 
you know, again, not in the sense that the information wasn't available, but rather they refused to believe it, to accept it. Paul makes that clear in verse 18. But I ask, did they not hear? Of course they did. Their voice has gone out into all the earth. Their, their words to the ends of the world. And so he's summing up his point that, you know, the message has gone out to everyone. And he does it by quoting Psalm 19 here. Remember what David was talking about in Psalm 19? You, you might, I'm sure you've heard this. Um, it begins, this is the song where it begins, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. In other words, the stars and the planets and the entire universe declare to everyone everywhere that there is a God. And Paul's using that here in Romans to say, hey, that's a symbol of how now the gospel will extend to the whole earth. And so he's, he's basically, the point that he's making is that those who don't hear, they've simply got their ears closed. Those who don't see have simply closed their eyes to the revelation of God everywhere in creation, in the world, and even in their own heart. And that's why back in Romans 1.20 he said, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that, listen to this, people are without excuse. Everybody everywhere will stand before God without excuse. You see, you're not gonna be able to stand before God one day and say, whoa, whoa, God, well, no, no, this is not fair. This comes as a total shock. You know, I did not know. Because God will say, nope, you did know. You knew. You felt it, you sensed it. And listen, I just stand up here today and I want to look at all of you in the eye and say, I don't, I, don't, I don't know all your stories, but I think some of you, maybe you've been rejecting this message. You've been rejecting God. Listen, in your heart of hearts, when it's just you and the Lord, you know. You know. He'll say, but you denied it. You fought against it. You chose to go your own way. And then he will say, now go your own way. Depart from me. Now, specifically in Romans 10, he's applying that truth to the unbelief of Israel. But it applies to all of us. Anyone who refuses to turn to Christ, it's not that they haven't heard. God's message has gone out into the whole world. They've rejected it. They've turned away from it. So, they were ignorant of the righteousness of God. They were ignorant of the role of faith, the range of salvation, and one more before we close. They were ignorant of the, the record of Scripture. The record of Scripture. Now, the truth is, Paul's been emphasizing this throughout his whole letter. I mean, obviously, over and over and over again, he's been quoting the patriarchs, quoting the prophets, one Old Testament scripture after another. And he's trying to say, hey, there is nothing here that should have caught you off guard. Look at verse 19. Again, I ask, 
Did Israel not understand? Understand what? Did they not understand that the gospel message was a message intended for the whole world? That it would go beyond them? Did they not understand? He says they should have. Why? Look at the rest of verse 19. First, Moses says, I will make you envious by those who are not a nation. I will make you angry by a nation that has no understanding. He's quoting Deuteronomy 32, and what he's saying is, hey, you should have known this. You should have saw it coming down the pike. Moses said there would be a day when, when God would embrace those who are not a nation, not a people. Who's he referring to? You, me, Gentiles. It's what Jesus was talking about in chapters 21 through 22 of Matthew when he told uh, the Jewish people, hey, look, I'm gonna turn away from you to another people. Over and over again, in his parable of the tenants in chapter 21, basically he said, hey, you know, you wanna kill my prophets and, and me, the son? Then I'm gonna give my vineyard to other tenants. The kingdom of God will be taken away from you and be given to people who want it. In chapter 22, he said the same message in the parable of the banquet. He said, hey, you don't wanna come to my dinner? You don't wanna come to the great feast? I'm gonna open it up to anyone. Luke 14, same message. You don't wanna come to the, the great banquet, the great banquet hall and feast. Then I will instruct my servants, my followers, to go out into the highways and the byways, the King James says, to the streets and, and to call the poor and the crippled and the lame and the blind, anybody who will come. In other words, if you don't want it, I will find people who do. That's exactly what he did. And that's what Paul is saying. Look at verses 20 and 21. He quotes from the Old Testament again. And Isaiah boldly says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I was revealed to those who did not ask for me. But concerning Israel, he says, all day long, I have held out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. The word uh, boldly there, where it says, and Isaiah boldly says, it means clearly, plainly, easily understood. Why did, Israel, uh, why did God reject Israel, turn to the Gentiles? Paul says, listen, Isaiah and all the prophets made it clear a long time ago. Look at the end of verse 21 again. All day long he has held out his hands to them, but they were what? What's the two words? Come on, say it out loud. What they were what? Look at your outline disobedient and obstinate. The word obstinate there in the Greek language means to speak against, to oppose. In other words, all day long, all their lives, God's hands had been opened to them, but they were opposed. They refused to believe. Now, don't forget, Paul's not addressing pagans here, you know, who could care less about God or his word. He's actually confronting religious people, religious people who spend their entire life 
in pursuit of religion, people who thought they took God and his word very seriously. And he's telling them, listen, you've boasted about being God's people. You've, you've boasted about having a knowledge of his word. But if you had really known, you would have known that the day was coming when Israel would be rebellious and God would then reach out to all people, all nations. And you should have recognized, hey, this is what the prophets were talking about. It's now happening. This must be the Messiah. So let me close today by asking you this simple question. How long has God been reaching out to you How long has he been reaching out to you? Paul said, all day long, God's hands have been holding out for you. How long has that been for you? We are all without excuse. You can no longer stand here and say, You are ignorant of the righteousness of God, the holy standard of God. We've been talking about that. If you've been coming to Coastal for any length of time, you've heard it. Listen, your good works will not save you. Religion will not save you. The standard of judgment, the standard of comparison is flawless perfection, the absolute holiness of God. That's the standard of righteousness. You're aware you, you, you can no longer say that, that you don't understand the role of faith. Man, we talk about that all the time here at Coastal. You're saved by your faith, by your absolute belief in your heart that Jesus is the Son of God, that he was sent to this earth as payment for your sin. He lived the perfect life. He went to the cross, and God rose him from the dead, and he is alive. I believe that, and I And not only do I believe it with my heart and my mind, but I believe it with my my intent, my actions. He is both Savior and Lord. You're not ignorant of that. And you're, you're also not ignorant of the range of salvation. That the gospel is intended for everybody. And I just want you to hear this loud and clear today. That includes you. I don't know your story. I don't know what you were involved with this past week or even last night. But his love and his salvation extends to you. And you can no longer say that you don't understand the truth of Scripture. You've heard it explained. The Bible says, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. It's time for you to call on his name and be saved today. Be embraced into his forever eternal family. Bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, today, God, we thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for this gospel message, the message of hope and salvation and healing, and purpose, and forgiveness. God, it extends to all the earth, including me, including me. 
And God, I know there's some people here in this room, somebody may be watching online who doesn't feel like they're worthy. Father, I know they are. You know they are. That's why you did what you did. Listen, come home now. Come home today. You know, pour out your heart to the the Father right now and say, dear God, I admit it. I, I am a sinner. I have blown it. I've pushed you out of my life. I've, I've done everything I can to run away. I admit all that, God. I admit that I, I need forgiveness. I need salvation. And I believe it's been provided through Jesus. I believe he's your son. He lived a perfect life to show me the way and to, and to pay for my sin. And he went to the cross to do it. And he proved who he was by coming back to life. And Father, today I ask him to forgive me of my sin and to be the Savior and the Lord of my life. And for the rest of my days, until you call me home or come again, I want to follow Jesus. And Father, I pray for Coastal that we will be a church that extends the invitation of salvation to all people, to everyone, everywhere, that we will be a link in the chain of people coming to Christ. And it's in his name we pray, amen, amen. Thanks for listening. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, have a blessed day.